Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. We're home. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. It's a new year, guys, but I'm your same host. I'm Brandon Boylan. Happy to be with you here in uh, our first episode of 2021. And of course, I could not kick off this new year without my co-pilot, my best friend. She is cooler than Ahsoka and Han Solo just hanging out. It's Lindsay. (laughs) well thank you sir and can i just say i absolutely love you know uh, i'm not gonna say what i was just gonna say because i need to save it for my top three of 2020 that's how excited i am watch out look at that i'm really happy i just called myself actually uh and and a nice little uh plug there for what we're going to be talking about today uh but before we get into what we're going to talk about today uh to fly the ship we had to have the best pilot in the clashing sabers network you know him you love him ladies and gentlemen mr sammy b Misa so happens to be here. I'm going to fly ship. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> it would hey not be a, a new year without the same voices from from Sam. Thank you, Sam. That was the perfect <laughs> way to kick off I, this year. I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta come in hot. There's, there's no, hi guys, I'm back. Like, no, we gotta, gotta come in strong. Just, just drop something. And I was like, all right, jar, jar it is. You gotta, you, you gotta, gotta mean dunk. it. You got to just dunk on it, man. Absolutely. commit. Uh, So today we are going to be talking about um, our top moments from 2020 and looking forward to what we are going to have in front of us in 2021. So we're going to kind of take a spin on our top three, bottom three format um, and focus on the good things. So our top moments from 2020 and our top things that we're looking forward to in 2021. But before we get into that... Uh, just a note here, since um, it is the new year, uh, we decided, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, to move our holiday fundraiser into the new year just because of timing and everything like that. Um, so we will be having our uh, fundraiser this year. It is called Return of the Reader, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited about it. So here is how it's going to work, guys. We have some amazing prizes, and all you have to do is enter into our raffle, uh, which will be posted on all our social media feeds and everywhere. Um, You can buy multiple entries so that you can increase your chances of uh, winning items. Those items, we have uh, three uh, Vanessa Marshall signed prints. We have three uh, great paintings from Roberto Venegas, who is a at Roberto underscore draws on Twitter. Most of you probably have seen his work before. Uh, So he was kind enough to donate. We have uh, two books signed by Amy Ratcliffe. We have an advanced reader copy of uh, Test of Courage signed by Justina Ireland, who's the author of that book. And then we have uh, Stories of Clone Wars Light and Dark is going to be signed by Jason Fry. So all you have to do is enter. Uh, You can donate however much you would like and for the more you donate obviously the more entries you get and then on february 6th we will do a live uh drawing to see who won the prizes so 
that will kick off on uh, the 11th and we'll go through the end of January. And then, like I said, on the 6th, we will have our drawing. And just like our Patreon, 100% of the proceeds are going to uh, buying and sending books. Um, I personally purchased the books that uh, we sent to the authors to have them sign. Um, and then we'll, I mean, cover whatever other costs we have to uh, personally so that 100% of that can go to the students. So I think with this crazy, crazy school year, um, something I'm noticing is uh, it, it's wearing on kids, it's wearing on teachers. And so anything we can do to kind of help them to um, just have a good start to this new year, even though it's the same school year, you know, kind of have that reinvigoration uh, for their education is something that we're really looking forward to. So Stay tuned um, here for that and tuned into all our social media channels, and we will have all the links uh, for you when that drops. But I had to share this, guys. This is the craziest thing. I know I, I don't, this, this like made 2020 for me. This, this story that I got is just wild. So the other day, about a week or so ago, I get an email, and from the format of it, I, I thought it was somebody who was submitting uh, a teacher to, to send books to. So I was just kind of glancing at it real quick, not really reading. And then I uh, noticed that it said, this message is for Brandon. And I was like, that's very specific. So, <laughs> And sometimes dangerous. Right? Exactly. I'm like, ugh, what did I do? What did I say? Um, and here, here's, here's the email. Uh, here's a crazy story. I, and this is the, the emailer speaking, I received a package from Star Wars Celebration yesterday. I opened it, and it was a Stormtrooper pin. I thought it odd since I didn't order it and didn't attend the last celebration. When I checked the package, it was addressed to you. You being me. Uh, I said, my bad for opening it. Just didn't realize who it was for. Um, today, I received an uh, uh, application for a credit card for Clashing Sabers, which led to looking up Clashing Sabers. And he says, basically, Brandon... I'm a Star Wars fan living in your previous apartment. That picture of you on the website is the computer niche next to the bathroom where he says he has his own shrine of sorts. Anyway, let me know. And he was kind enough to, uh, to get my address and send me the pin. But guys, how wild is that? That another Star Wars fan took over my apartment after we moved from Houston. That is just made my day. Absolutely. There's a, there's a big part of me that thinks it's so cool. And one of those like real, you know, the world or the force moving in mysterious ways. The other part of me though is like, that is so freaking creepy. And I hate it. Now for <laughs> licensing now, is it his, like, you know how like one of the, like, the packages, is this, is this the Brandon apartment or is this the new person one? Cause that's going to really throw off the fan base. Yeah. yeah. It's and possibly the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, fortunately, his name's Eric. Eric is a, is a good guy. We've been chatting a little bit, getting to know each other, and uh, he 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 seems like a pretty good dude. But I just thought that that was just so crazy that um, he was able to tell that he was living in my old apartment based on picture on the the, the website there, and that he had his own little uh, shrine. So if, I feel like I feel like my old apartment is in good hands. So um, shout out to Eric. Thank you for sending that. That was just absolutely fantastic. But guys, what, have, what have you been star Warsing lately? Lindsay, I'm going to throw it to you first. I know you've been crazy busy with work as it's the, the fourth quarter and everything, but have you had some time to enjoy some star Wars stuff? You know, I have, but I, and I, I feel this way every single time you, you ask this question because 
everyone else on the team always has these awesome answers in terms of like, you know, they're diving into old legends books and they're watching rebels with their kids and they're getting into this for the first time. And I'm just like, I'm keeping up. So that's, that's really pretty much it. You know, it's just, I'm keeping up with the Mandalorian, any new games that are coming out, any new books that are coming out. Just, I'm kind of just chugging along, but I haven't been doing anything crazy exciting. I don't think with what I've been star Wars saying, you know, I've, I've been having, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later on, but I think what I've been Star Warsing the most is just watching other people get super into Star Wars with The Mandalorian. Um, and I don't want to go into crazy specifics because, again, this is going to be kind of in my highlight reel of 2020. But I just always really love when my friends and my family, who would typically see the movies and that was it, are texting me at, you know, six o'clock on a Friday morning to talk about the new episode of Mandalorian. So I've just, you know, kind of been soaking that in as much as I can. Yeah, it's so cool when that happens. Like I had uh, the teacher that uh, is next door to me texted me and, and she's she's into like geek culture and everything, but not not a diehard uh, Star Wars fan. And so she texted me the other day um, afterwards and was like, wait, I'm confused about when the Mandalorian happens. And then spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Mandalorian, skip forward like 15 seconds um they're gonna need to skip forward a lot more than that well, um <laughs> just tune in next week tune in next week yeah exactly but anyway she texted me and she's like wait how is luke skywalker here i thought this happened after the the sequels came out and so i was explaining Dude, to her one timeline. of my friends did that to me too she she texted me like that friday night she's like hey I don't want to bother you right now, but can we make sure we FaceTime this weekend? Because I have so many questions. So I FaceTimed her the next day. And the first question she asked was, how was Luke there if this is all these years later? And I was like, because it's not all these years. It's, it's months later. And I see her on FaceTime just like shocked. She goes, oh. Okay, so that answers all of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, it's... The, the iterative storytelling of Star Wars and the way it jumps around can be really really confusing because you don't get that in a lot of other stories you know um and so especially for people who are not like keeping up with everything and it's not second nature like i can easily oh this is happening between these two things cool and i can kind of like place it on that shelf in the right spot but i imagine when you're not spending all that time doing that and maybe uh maybe it, it it's it's time for, you know, some kind of like intro at the beginning of a series or um, the beginning of a movie where, you know, they give us the, the BBY or whatever uh, yeah. to kind of help the cash, casual fans out. But Sammy, what about you? What have you been into lately? I know you, you did a little uh, Star Wars Clashing Saber something for, your, for a, a racing buddy of yours. I did. I did. I did. Um you know, I I have been enjoying. Uh, I took some time off. the 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 winter season can be slow in the studio, so I was like, you know what? With how the holidays lined up at the weekends, it took like only a few days off and hit a bunch off in a row. So I was like, gonna do it. Um, but yes, uh, I do a lot of uh, competitive sim racing on iRacing, and one thing I enjoy doing in my time is making paints for the cars that race because you can like load them in so whatever you design in photoshop can actually be on top of the car and 
so a lot of guys will commission me to do different work but one guy was like hey i i want a new sponsor and then it all coalesced because like i'm okay like i'm not i i don't win i i sometimes do well like maybe top five or three but it's hard to win and i was like this is it this is the moment so i i hit him up i was like hey my podcast will sponsor you so uh yes um starting I believe it's January 13th. It'll be mm, two Wednesdays from now. The Sith Talk 99, driven by William Calhoun, will be taken to the track. I want to double-check the date on that. It is it is the 13th. Uh, we'll be hitting the high banks of Daytona. And, oh man, guys, the truck looks good. The truck looks real good. So It's dope. It's absolutely fantastic. And we'll, we'll put that in the Facebook group, too, if you're not in the Facebook group already. And then, Sam, you can uh, hopefully share the link when... Uh, Oh yeah, when that's ready to go for so everybody can see. Because I definitely want to, I want to see. I'm not, I'm not a big NASCAR guy like you are, or, or anything like that. Or, but I definitely want to see the uh, the clashing saber Sith talk truck going down, going down well, there in Daytona. Well, don't you worry. There's going to be another one coming down the line because uh, I'm one of the, the the guys that helps like organize the races, and we're going to be starting a road series. And the guy's like, "All right, I'm going to need another Sith Talk paint real soon." So, going to have multiple series running, and the uh, the Sith Talk logos on it, and the the Clashing Sabers website. So, when that comes around, I will definitely make a post on it. It's, it'll be funny though because I'm in the series, just not as the Sith Talk car because it's just like I, I'm not winning. So, <laughs> I, want, I want I want us to be winning. I'll, I'll run something else. I want us to be number one <laughs> i love the modesty where brandon and i can't even be like no you're great because you're just like here are the facts i don't win <laughs> like it's hard to win i mean but it's like but it makes it all the better when you do do well so it's like you know it may happen this season it might happen at daytona wouldn't that be embarrassing <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will be posting details on that. But guys, it is a sick looking truck. It's got this like it's it's all black out, but it's got like on one it's uh, asymmetrical. So one side's all blue highlights from like this blue lightsaber light from Anakin's lightsaber. And then the other side's all red highlighted because it's uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber lighting everything up. It is it is just it is gorgeous and i'm very proud of my work it is a fine piece of art it's so, uh um, it's fantastic absolutely fantastic and if you <laughs> it uh, does look amazing if you want to rock some uh, some sith talk gear um or any clashing sabers gear uh to uh to get ready for the races uh you can get that at tpublic.com i finally updated it and got sith talk up there and <laughs> uh Sam also was awesome enough to create our Return of the Reader fundraiser logo, um, so that's up there available for you as well. So you got to keep me around for out. some reason other than my ridiculous voices. So, well, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, the, the voices are the main thing, though. But then you know, there's just the added benefits, you know. It's Supplementary. It's, <laughs> he's a you're a man of uh, of many talents, and uh, we appreciate that. And. Speaking of many things, we have many things to discuss uh, about what a wild year last year was and uh, what we are looking forward to this year. So we are going to take a quick break to let you go and uh, get your, your stuff at tpublic.com slash clashing sabers. Cheap plug. And then we will be right back. Do you understand him? In a way, Grogu and I can feel each other's thoughts. Grogu? Yes. That's his name. 
Grogu. He was raised at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Many masters trained him over the years. At the end of the Clone Wars, when the Empire rose to power, he was hidden. Someone took him from the temple. Then his memory becomes dark. He seemed lost, alone. I've only known one other being like this. A wise Jedi master named Yoda. All right, we are back in action, and we here at Clashing Sabers, you know we like to, to get into the, the minutia, and we like to debate things, and we like to critique things and analyze them, but sometimes it's fun to just go, man, that was awesome. And that's kind of what we're going to do today. Uh, 2020 will forever live in infamy, and I'm not going to lie, um, I can't wait to see what uh, whatever the next generation of textbooks or whatever say about 2020. You know, I'm, I'm very excited to see in like 20 years how uh, kids are being taught about what happened this past year because it was wild. Um, but in in the effort to, to just go, you know, that was a, a lot of fun and to celebrate the great Star Wars things that did happen because it was a jam-packed Star Wars year, uh, we are going to look at our top three things from 2020 and then um, look forward to uh, what we're looking forward to in 2021. So before we get started, um, just to, to kind of let people know where we're coming from. For your top of, of 2020, I'm going to send it to Lindsay, to you first. What was kind of your qualifiers or your parameters in terms of um, how you picked uh, what you picked? Uh, so this should come as a shock to absolutely no one, but I picked very selfishly. Um, I did not think at all about what drove the story forward and what was the best for the overall Star Wars community and who did a really good job on this. It was very strictly just, I liked this. This made me happy. I would live in this moment forever. And this is how it affected me. So that's, that's kind of how I picked my top three. Because if we're not having a celebration for another two years, I need to just think... Oh, you know, very, what's, what's the Netflix organization lady? The, does this bring you joy? You know who I'm talking about? Oh, um, yeah. I know who you're talking about and I'm already spacing on it. Yeah. 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 But I, I kind of took that Marie mentality Kondo. of just Marie Kondo. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I took the Marie Kondo approach of just this, brought, this brought me joy and kind of scaled it on how much joy it brought me. And I went from there. <laughs> nice. Sammy, what about you? Gut reaction. I mean, I, 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 my list is very broad strokes, but I have specific moments tied with everything. So it's just when it's, I, I'm long winded. We generally are on Sith talk. Um, and so like nailing it down to specific, these three things was incredibly difficult, but I have some ideas in mind, but really similar to Lindsay where it's just like, what hit right? And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I for mine, I tried not to go too broad stroke. It was it was hard, but I didn't want to just go the Mandalorian because the whole season was awesome, and Clone Wars because the whole season was awesome. So I tried Ooh. to pick um, 
specific things um, from from those things. And I, I mean, I'll just spoiler alert, all my stuff comes from those two <laughs> particular um, series. But um, I tried to focus in on the particular things that really connected with me. And I'll go ahead and and just kick us off with uh, with number three. And for me, that was Ahsoka in live action. Um, y'all know I love Ahsoka. And this was something that had been rumored forever. And I never really let myself get too excited in case it didn't happen. Or even worse, it happened and it sucked. And thankfully, neither one was true. Um, I think Rosario Dawson did a great job of capturing Ahsoka's quiet uh, strength and presence. And... I have said it time and again um, that that I don't want it. I don't want Star Wars to become a situation where live action somehow is a validation of a character coming from animation that that, that they're not equal um, unless they're in live action. I, I am very very much against that, and this was definitely not that. This wasn't trying to prove that Ahsoka deserves to be there or speaking down to to loyal fans because of the people who are just meeting her. Um, the only thing about this and the only reason this isn't higher on my list is that it does bug me that um, Ashley was not involved um, at all and that she didn't even get a, uh, a chance to audition. I think that's a major fumble by Dave Filoni um, and there's no way around it. But to be fair, at the same time, he completely knocked it out of the park directing the episode and getting Rosario Dawson to understand um, the story. And so... I'm I'm very excited for the series, uh, even if the the latest rumors are true and it's a limited series. I think they're going to um, do a lot for her story and how we get uh, from the Ahsoka that we got in Mandalorian, who clearly still has a lot of weight on her shoulders, to the Ahsoka at the end of Rebels. So um, overall, I just I was I was really pleased with it, and I am very excited um, to have this character in another format and continue to get. Uh, more stories from her. Now, before I kind of dive in, are we strictly talking about just live action or is Ahsoka in general going to be on your list at any point in the future? Um, I'm specifically talking about live action. Um, okay. So just, just her appearance in The Mandalorian. I will get to other things later on. Okay, because I, I'm actually shocked that it's number three on your list because Ahsoka in general is actually much higher on my list, but I didn't specify it to just live action. I really looked at um, everything she did in the final season of Clone Wars as well, just because to me that was a really big highlight. And I feel like just with the excitement coming in at the end of the year with live action, with how well Rosario Dawson did and with all the, the care the character was handled with that everything that happened, you know, in May kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, but for me, that, that was a highlight as well. So I actually have Ahsoka as number one on my list, but I didn't specify it to just live action. Okay, I I will get to sure. get to more more stuff later on. But Lindsay, since you're you're on a roll here already, go ahead and tell us what your number three is. So my number three. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I need to make sure this actually happened in 2020. <laughs> um, it was it was it was such a year, guys. Yo, it was such for a year. Real? <laughs> 
I'm just sorry. I'm going to interrupt real quick. Yesterday, somebody was posting on, on Twitter asking what your favorite movie from 2020 was. And somebody said Knives Out. And I just completely like lost. Yeah. Knives Out came out this that year. Was... What? I feel like that, that was wasn't like... even really at the end of 2019. That was like mid 2019. But uh, but anyways. what is time anymore? Yeah, it doesn't so exist. I think I think this happened this year. If it didn't happen initially this year, it kind of kept rolling into this year. I'm 80% confident. Um, but it was just all of the High Republic announcements. You know, I, I think we're really good on this channel and the show specifically about not speculating and not coming up with crazy fan theories. And we didn't even do that when High Republic initially was announced. But it's still fun. You know, if even if we're not sitting here talking for 90 minutes about what we think is going to happen and what each character could possibly be like, it's still fun to kind of just daydream about where these stories are going to go and what they're going to bring us. And that's, I think, kind of what we needed this year. We needed a year where it's not just let's constantly drive forward and let's constantly put out new material, but let's give people a chance to figure out what it is they want and give these little snippets of information to see what's going to come true and what's not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's coming it's coming quickly. Uh, we're recording on the the first, and we've got four days left until it's an actual thing. Um, and I I can say it, it it is taking literally everything in my existence to put that Justina Ireland book, uh, The Test of Courage, up for the raffle without reading it first uh, because I am very pumped for this. And I feel like even if the, the, the announcement from High Republic was, I think, was in, was in 2019, um, but they definitely ramped it up a lot. And they took advantage of... Uh, it was delayed, though, wasn't it? Because I was. think it was originally scheduled for 2019 and then pushed into 2020. Uh. I think the releases were supposed to start in 2020 and then got pushed back yeah, to 2021. Yeah. Um, but I think the announcement came and, and, and I totally could be wrong. I'm just going off of memory here, but I can say that like in the situation that we're in, they definitely did a good job of keeping the hype up, you know, uh, releasing chapters yeah. for people who wanted to read them. Um, I know there's a bunch of people out there who've got their advanced reader copies and all of that stuff. So, uh, also I just good thanks to good old Google. Good old Google. I think the announcement actually happened in February of this year. See, again, what is time? Uh, it's, it's irrelevant. It's made up. It is absolutely irre irrelevant. So, um, yeah, it's gonna. that's going to be um, something that I discuss when we get into what we're looking forward to in 2021. So I'm going to save that for right now. Sam, what's your number three? Number three, I, whenever we do these listings, I always have to be the one that's like, what's the thing no one's going to say? Because it's like, I feel like a lot of the big highlights, I don't want to say are similar, but like we all uh, seem to tick when it comes to the big stuff. So I, I tried to think of something a little more left field and I have to give a shout out despite not playing it nearly enough to uh, Star Wars Squadrons because that's a game that I feel like was such a, I'm going to call it niche because, you know, what's, what's big popular games right now? You know, it, it's shooters and it's what whatever's multiplayer. And sure, it does have a multiplayer facet, but it was just such a different 
game that I wasn't expecting it to be. And the fact that we can still get, you know, kind of, I don't want to call it off the wall, but like not your big title games for Star Wars and they still be delivered at, you know, maximum quality, have an impact on the story. That was a big deal for me that they are still that they're they're progressing on those things because I remember in the beginning of the the Disney era when we got Battlefront and it was okay and then I was just kind of like okay well Star Wars was always fun because it had something for everyone and that was something that was missing for me so again this it's a little compared to some of the huge things that happened this year I'm not going to call it the biggest but I wanted to include it in there for because I didn't think anyone else was going to say it. And because it just proves that we're we're moving in the right direction and that they're thinking of different types of people and how they enjoy Star Wars differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's something we got a, a good bit of uh, with all the announcements for the new shows and movies coming out. Like, you can say whatever you, you want about each particular one, but you can't deny the fact that they are absolutely uh looking at so many different angles of of star wars fans and what everybody is looking for um because everybody seemed to be excited about about different things um which is is good i think that's what we need to continue going forward and to hopefully get people to understand that it's okay that not everybody likes what you like um which is is part of the fun of star wars is like while it is this one story, it's also a different one story to everybody because everybody has different investments and everybody has different um, parts that they look to and and even you know parts that they have actually um, read or seen or engaged with. So that's exciting. But one thing to go to my number two that um, I, pretty much universally uh, was a great moment of 2020 that everybody loved was the return of the Jedi, uh, the Luke Skywalker coming back in the Mandalorian. There are times in your life that you will always remember. Um, you'll remember where you were, how you felt. You're, you're going to remember all of that. Um, throne room in TLJ was one of those moments for me. Cause it just was like a complete high to a complete low to a complete hot. It just wild, uh, mall coming back in solo, like, I can still remember what it smelled like, what it felt like, like where I could go back to that theater and find the exact seat uh, when Maul came back in Solo. And Luke Skywalker uh, returning in The Mandalorian is one of those moments for me. And um, before I get into that, I do want to give props to just all of this season of Mandalorian and all the people involved. Um, Like I said, I wanted to focus on singular things as much as I could. but just the fact that two of my three moments um, are coming from this season really says something about how awesome of a job uh, that they did. So, so great on on everybody from from the lighting to the cinematography, just everything for this season worked really, really well. And um, but to go back to Luke, so hopefully you guys who who have been listening for a while know that I am not a guy that just wants the Jedi coming in and whooping up on everybody with a lightsaber. Like, that's really cool to see, but it's not what the story is telling us Jedi are about. Um, The greatest moments of Luke are always going to be him throwing away his lightsaber on the second Death Star and what he does on crate, both of where he, he won without a lightsaber. But I would be a straight up liar if I said that seeing him with that green saber 
that I had as a kid, and I used to pretend to be Luke Skywalker uh, with in that black outfit that I wore for Halloween didn't just transport me right back to the very beginning and the heart of what got me to love Star Wars. And all of all of that's really, really great. But if if the story elements aren't there, then then you still have something that's like, ooh, it's really cool to see for, to highlight on YouTube, but it doesn't really matter for the story. And um, this has those story moments. It foreshadows Luke's failure um, and what he learns in The Last Jedi uh, about it being not the structure of the Jedi, but the symbol um, that really matters to the people. Um, and, and, and then just to kind of think about the parallels that this moment has with other moments in the saga, uh, with Vader in Rogue One, with um, the removal of, of the mask by Din Djarin, paralleling the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, and, and even, I, I dug into this in, a, in an article, but there's so many parallels between um, Anakin leaving Shmi and Din um, and Grogu separating that it's just, what this opened up for the story is just very, very exciting. So it's it's cool that we, one, got to see Luke Skywalker do cool stuff with his lightsaber, um, which is something that most of us had only imagined. But then also, if you consider how long people had wanted to see Luke in this time period after Return of the Jedi, and then you take into consideration that once he's there in the room with Din and Grogu, they are 100% the focus that's not an easy thing to do at all. That is a, that is a literal miracle. Um, it is it is nothing short of perfect uh, to have this awesome Luke Skywalker moment and then instantly be able to take the audience back to this father and son, but also remind you of all these other things that have happened in Star Wars. So I think this is something that worked on many, many levels and... It hit me in the the clashing sabers. Love to look deep and critique it and overanalyze things. Part of myself, and it also just it, it spoke to that kid who dressed up as Luke Skywalker and pretended to uh, be Luke Skywalker. This green lightsaber. So, um, damn, that was a great, great time. Great time. That sequence at the end of that season was one of the most I'm trying to find the word for it incredible type type rope walks of just excitement mystery and payoff I don't think Star Wars has ever touched I mean the the way that whole thing came together could have flopped and I think that's something people quickly forget about because they did it so well that was a risk that was a big risk to be like, okay, we're going to pull in Luke. Again, you pull in the big characters, you get huge payoffs, but it's a big risk. I, and, and it was flawless. I mean, I could have put it number one. Again, I, I always end up choosing different stuff, but like I was shaking. And like you see multiple videos of people literally so moved by how this sequence went down. It's incredible. So good pick and that just shows how good this year was the fact that that's two for you yeah yeah it's it's crazy like and and i mean not only that like i didn't i i i realized at the end of the episode when i was thinking about it and talking about it with other people 
but it didn't really hit home until I rewatched it later on. How much really happens in that episode? Because the first like 15, 20 minutes or so of the episode, really good, keeps you on the edge of your seat, fast paced. But after that, it is one shocking moment after another. And for as much that happens in the final, you know, 35, 40 minutes of that episode, it is nothing compared to that sequence of Luke going down the hall. And it leaves you so shocked and amazed that that is all you're talking about at the end of the episode. And then all of a sudden you rewatch and you're like, wait, there's, there's so much else that I need to <laughs> need to digest there's, and I need to talk about with someone. It's but it's crazy. so, the Luke sequence is so good. It just immediately takes all of your attention. I feel like people need to just watch the first half of that episode, treat it like its own episode and then finish it. Well, and it's it's a very rare experience in entertainment when you can be both emotionally drained and completely and utterly invigorated and hyped at the same time. Like those are usually things that are they happen in separate instances, right? And to be able to I mean, it's a it's a 45-minute episode and to be able to so quickly take the audience from one level to another um with with the audience being willing to go along nothing really feeling forced is uh is a testament to the great storytellers that they have um i'm putting together this show so really exciting stuff and and i'll be interested to see what other um luke content now that the the door has kind of been kicked open what other kind of content around luke and the jedi we get during this time period but until then i'm going to send it over to Lindsay and ask you what your number two is yeah, so my number two surprised even myself because in 2019, it, it wouldn't have been the bottom three, but it would have been a low light for sure. But it's the character Mayfield, uh, played by Bill Burr. And he is such a highlight for me, despite all the great things that we've done this year through Clone Wars, through all these announcements about different directors, different TV shows. You know, we've, we've had so much good stuff come in the past year. Uh, but Bill Burr's character Mayfield was a real highlight for me because very similar, I think to your reasons for picking Luke is that it kind of brought me back. You know, I think we've become so accustomed to in star Wars, we need these heavy, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's not really, you know, divine characters, but it's close. You know, we have these, almost godlike characters who give us what we see as the morals for Star Wars. We have the Lukes, the Rays, the Ahsokas, and they're fantastic and they bring the points home. But the reason why I love Star Wars so much as a kid wasn't even because of the Jedi necessarily. It was because of Han Solo and characters like that. I love when we have those tougher, you know, kind of smuggler-esque characters come in and still be able to drive the point and the morals of star Wars home. So to have Mayfield be the one who I personally hated in season one to come in and once again, just nail home what it means to be a star Wars fan. And, you know, really and truly how are we acting out our principles and why are they our principles in the first place? really just brought me back to being nine years old and falling in love with Star Wars all over again. And it might have just been the surprise that I loved him so much, but he is easily my number two for Star Wars highlights in 2020. 
of all the things you would expect to be on anybody's <laughs> list for Star Wars in any year, it would not be Bill Burr. Like, it's wild to think about. And again, this goes back to like how good these filmmakers are. Uh, you know, like they are bringing in the best of the best and they they get a lot of credit for, and they deserve a lot of credit for the diversity that the show has and bringing in so many different kinds of people, both in front of the camera, off camera, writing characters in the story. Like it, it's a very diverse show. Um, and like a thing like this, making Bill Burr an, an Emmy award-winning actor, an Oscar-winning actor um, is... And a guy who made fun of Star Wars all the time. Yes. <laughs> and now he's like... I mean, let's let's be honest. Like, in last season, the last thing you would have expected to come over from season one would have been Bill Burr. Like, I honestly would have expected... I really thought we were just done or, with him. And I was, yeah. I was cool with it. Yeah. And how disappointed was everybody when they're like in what episode five or, or six, whichever one it was where the end, they're like, yeah, we're going to go get Mayfield. And everybody's like, we are really oh, man. to, yeah. to just, and, and somebody pointed out, I think I was watching it on YouTube. The fact that star Wars can keep you entertained, like, you know, you're going to get this great action and great mythology and things like that. But the fact that you can keep people on the edge of their seats with, three guys sitting around a table talking about their morality is wild. Like to have those things in the, not, not only the same saga, not only the same universe, but literally five minutes apart from each other is it's just, it's, it's not normal guys. And, and it's the, it's peak storytelling. It's absolutely peak storytelling. And yeah, Mayfield is an absolute uh, testament to that. Sam, any thoughts on uh, on Mayfield before you jump into your number two? I mean, just the fact that, like, talk about a way to, like, I, I don't want to say an unbeliever because it sounds ridiculous, but, like, I still can't go over the fact that they got freaking Bill Burr. Like, that, that like, I, I, I listened to a clip of him on a podcast, basically, like, John Favreau approaching him, being like, I want you to do this. I wrote this part for you. And he's like, you know who I am, right? Like... <laughs> you know what I've said? And he's like, yeah, I, I want you to do this even more because of this. So just the, the fact that he did it and it worked like incredible. My number two. Um, it's again, I was trying to think of impact moments. What, what threw me back in my seat? I knew someone was going to say Luke. So I left it off the list. Um, but Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan's entrance literally blew my socks off it was i we you kind of talked about it earlier with how you know we there is as impressive and amazing as rosario dawson did as ahsoka there's always going to be that certain percent of you you know 10 5 1 whatever that's gonna think "Mm," but it's not ashley Eckstein, and i understand the logistics why that might not be or the idea of like Dubbing, I don't know. I'm not going to get too deep into that. But when she came into frame, mirroring the same way Din Djarin was rescued by um, Death Watch, 
with the hand reached out and she says, take my hand. I, I, I lost it. I lost it because there was no hint. There was no lead up. It just dropped on you. And all of a sudden it was watching the, the, the animated creation come to life. And I know we're saying that like, you know, we shouldn't give a hierarchy to, to live action, but there is, there is a hit when something you know and feel and understand that's animated comes alive. And that. I, there's been nothing that they've done that has come from the animated series that has just gobsmacked me as much as that moment did. And the fact that they brought her in also made me hugely excited just for the future of Star Wars because that's there's a lot to resolve there. There's a lot of story there. And so her entrance, her involvement, that ha- that was a big number two for me. And I still go back and watch her entrance and how just tickled I was at how it was just perfect. I I can't debate that at all. And and there's there's definitely a like you said there's there's a high if you will that comes from seeing one of a character come off a page or come off the screen and come to to life and also the fact that like more people are watching the Mandalorian than we're watching Clone Wars or Rebels. Like that's just straight up like numbers that's data it, it is what it is right and it it's not it's cool because it's not that we're comparing which is a better version of Bo-Katan you know we're not saying like oh look, this this character doesn't feel the same or this character doesn't um this story doesn't matter as much like it feels like a natural transition from animation to to pay or uh, excuse me from animation to live action and we've seen that before with with characters being brought in uh, you know even going earlier in the season with Cobb Vanth like how great that was um and the fact that I think the best part about it it's awesome that Sadie, Katie Sackoff is playing it and everything like that but the best part to me about the entire Bo-Katan thing is that she was used to move the story of Din Djarin forward while also having her own arc, while also speaking to the larger status of the galaxy, setting up possibly what our conflict is going to be in the next season. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, here's, here's you know, Bo-Katan. Like, there was a little bit of that with Ahsoka, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. Like, it was like, oh, here's Ahsoka, and then she's gone. Whereas with Bo-Katan, like, what she does, what she says, how she acts matters to the story at large of both the galaxy, the Mandalorian, and all the characters we care about in the show. In a series that is full of fan servicey moments that we all choose to ignore as fan servicey because they're just so good, this is the least fan servicey appearance that I think we've ever had. Yes, 100%. That, that's the that that's why this moment had to stand out so high for me because that it it felt so right and it just nailed every landing like I could it was one of those things where I kept being amazed at how everything just worked and I'm like of course of course like again we knew she was coming but I'm going in circles well, it was incredible it, it was and if you think about the fact that this happened in like the third episode, I think, of the season. Like after her, we get like Boba Fett for real. Like not just a image of him, but like Boba Fett for real. We get Ahsoka. We get Luke. We get all this other stuff ab- about Din and Grogu 
And still people are talking and excited about how cool and great Bo-Katan was, not just in looks, but in like the actual story, you know, um, where, you know, Lindsay talked about this earlier, you know, where Luke kind of gets the focus for the last episode, but now we've started to get memes of Bo-Katan popping up of like, what's she going to do next year? You know, um, what's she going to do in the next season and all of that kind of stuff. So the fact that in a literal year of, or a season of cameos and fan service moments, that this is something that just feels so organic is, is pretty, pretty cool and pretty wild to think about. And going from Bo-Katan to, uh, to, to my number one is a nice transition because my number one is surprising to nobody. It's the siege of Mandalore. Um, it is what it's honest, right? I know <laughs> curveball. Um, it's crazy that this actually happened this year. It feels like ages ago. Um, and it, it's also, you know, crazy to think about the expectations that this had coming into it. And the fact that it, um, it, it exceeded, let's be honest, it exceeded those very high expectations. And before I go into that, because I, I do want to, again, like I did with, with Ahsoka and Luke, I want to say like, good job to everybody who was involved in Clone Wars, because, um, you know, Bad Batch was just kind of its own thing where it was setting up what we're going to get in, in the series. Fine. But when we go to like the, the, uh, Martez sister arc, I got to defend it for a second before I get into Siege of Mandalore because it sets the stage for, for how Ahsoka acts in, in um, the Siege of Mandalore and that she now realizes that the war is tearing apart the lives of, of the layperson, the everyman, and she's taking that into to consideration. And for me, that's something that, um, again, Ahsoka matters to me so much. And so I like seeing that she is kind of coming down, if you will, from that high of being a Jedi and living in this place of prestige to now she's fighting for the people she's fighting for people she cares about um and not just to defend these ideas that are going to betray her eventually you know um god the list of why this arc works just way too many to talk about um so some of the standout ones for me the green lucasfilm logo again taking me right back to being a kid um fantastic uh, I loved Ahsoka not being willing to kill the clones. I loved the angst and trauma that Rex is going through, uh, how it informs his place in Rebels. Literally everything with Ahso- uh, Ahsoka and Maul, like all of that is great. And my, fa- my favorite moment out of, of all of it, like the entire thing, is Ahsoka saying, I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. Because... After Rogue One, like that has become my my mantra, kind of like calms me down. I'm eventually gonna get it tattooed on my body. And I was telling Lindsay this. I was like, I I wanted a Soka tattoo, and I also wanted a one with the force and the forces with me tattoo. And I didn't know how I was gonna be able to pull them both off. And now I don't have to because they can go together. Um, so <laughs> you was- know, I have that tattoo already, right? No, you yes. heathen. You got it without yeah. me. I feel so betrayed. I, I got it, I think, maybe even before I even met you. No, 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 because I no. met you by Rogue One. Yeah, you had the Ahsoka, I think. Dang, but not Lindsay's. I, had, I already had an Ahsoka, Ooh, for sure. Know. No, but I have, a, I have a In the Forces with me tattoo. <sighs> That's incredible. Man. <laughs> it's, just, it's so cool, man. Like, it's just... It's great to... Yeah, I know. That's why I got it. <laughs> uh, 
I just love everything about it. I love everything about it. And I mean, guy, I, I, I literally could, could spend it an entire, not even an entire episode, an entire series on how awesome Siege of Mandalore was. It's one of those things that like, I haven't figured out a better way to say it, but there's like these things that are holy in Star Wars. Like, I'll put, you know, the original trilogy on in the background sometimes, but it's almost like, if the original trilogy's on, I feel like I need to sit down and watch it, you know? If Mm. Mandalorian is on, I need to sit down and pay attention. Like these th- these moments are holy. Like Twilight of the Apprentice, I'm not just having that on in the background while I'm doing dishes or whatever. Like I'm sitting down and paying attention to that. And I I honestly haven't rewatched Siege of Mandalore um after watching all four of them together when that the last one came out because I really want to be able to sit down and really just have the emotional investment in it that honestly 2020 did not allow me to have. Um, so I'm excited. Maybe, yeah. maybe that should be one of my things in 2021 that I'm looking forward to is going back to Siege of Mandalore. That'll be my number four. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. it makes it. I mean, just to to give some background on how wi- how weighty this is. My dad and I spent our Christmas watching Band of Brothers and Peaky Blinders. Like those are the kind of shows that my dad and I watch together and are into. And after, uh, you know, one of my viewings of the Mandalorian um, finale was with my dad. And he turns to me and he goes, okay, so I'm all caught up on that. What should I watch next? I was like, dad, it's going to sound weird because it's technically started as a kid show. But I gave him like the whole pitch for Clone Wars. I was like, because it's going to end with what's called the Siege of Mandalore. And that is going to make everything worth it. Yeah, I mean... Again, like it's that's not an easy thing to do. Like think about think about how many like big series endings have fallen flat on their face. You know, like yeah. Game of Thrones has that reputation. Mm. Lost has that reputation. Uh, even even shows that are more comedic and more fun, but that have been a, were around for a while, like How I Met Your Mother. Like a lot of people were yeah. just like, there's a. It's hard. It's really hard to end a series to stick that landing yeah yeah just in general and um to do it on something that people are so emotionally invested in and that you know is also going to impact later stories that are being told is absolutely um just just amazing like it really it's something that is very it's special you know like endgame was something that you know in terms of like pop culture history it's going to be something that's mentioned in all the history books because it was something that had never been done before in terms of ending this big 10 year long story and in a way siege of mandalore is the same thing you know it's the the culmination of this story of ahsoka and and anakin and to think about the fact think about this for just a second Clone Wars has already ended twice. Like, (laughs) season five was the end. Okay, cool. Season six was the end. Okay, cool. You got people to come back a third time to watch the end of this series uh, and to finally put your own stamp and punctuation on it and to have people just invested after all of these years is something that really no other show can say that they 
they have done. And um, I love it. I love every every single bit of it. But I'm going to go ahead and send it over to Lindsay and let you give your top moment or top thing from 2020. Yeah, yeah. So I had alluded to this before, but it was just Ahsoka, uh, really in any sense, whether it's the Siege of Mandalore, whether it's live action. I love that this is a character who they have stayed so true to who she is at the core of her. But what's fun and makes it interesting is we get to see her from the time she is, I mean, how old is she when we first meet her? 11, 12 years old, 14. Okay. So uh, up until the time she is just a fresh teenager through adulthood and she becomes, you know, Gandalf the white of star Wars so it's it's interesting that we can drop in at any point of her life and she's doing something interesting and it makes sense where we can so easily say, oh no, it's it's okay for her to act this way or do this thing and it's still in character is really interesting for me. But even just not as the diehard Star Wars and the diehard Ahsoka fan that I am, I love that my friends and family are so into this now. You know, I've, I've read Sam, I think it might've been over with you and Zach on Sith talk. Um, some of the texts I've gotten from my friends about Ahsoka and just when, when she first showed up on screen, you know, my friends, Anthony Henry just texted me right away. Jenna so excited for me and to hear their thoughts. Um, but even my dad, you know, he, he's someone who I would kind of see every now and then, and we would catch up. But now that he's retired, he was waking up 6 a.m. on Friday mornings and would text me as soon as he was done with the episode. So to get him to be just as excited for these characters was something really special. And to finally get to share my love of Ahsoka and why I love Ahsoka so much with him, it's a big big selling point for me. Um, And oddly enough, I got this text last night at 11.31. So this is New Year's Eve, mind you. <laughs> this is 29 minutes away from ringing in the new year. My cousin texts me that her her fiancé, we call MP, those are his initials. She goes, MP is watching The Mandalorian and goes, aha, look who we have here, soft horny lady. And I looked up and indeed, some lady with soft horns. So I guess accurate description. He wants me to be here for Halloween, so we should start prepping costumes. <laughs> but like, even, That's even that, you know, something where it's like my cousin who I'm not even sure before this year she had ever watched Star Wars is now already planning 10 months in advance. Her Ahsoka Halloween costume is just absolutely mind boggling for me. So okay. getting to see her from fresh eyes and the eyes that I already have from her is just astounding. Yeah, I have a I have a friend that I taught with last year, and she's a she's a casual Star Wars fan. Um, like, she she she's not an opening night person, but she goes pretty pretty early in the movies, and she knows you know all the films and everything like that, and um, knows obviously that Ahsoka is my favorite and how much I loved her. And when she watched The Mandalorian, she's like, "Oh my god, Ahsoka was awesome!" And I was like, "Do you get it now? Do you get why I love her?" And she goes, "Yeah." Yeah, I kind of do. And that's that's it right there, man. That's that sums it up like how how great um Ahsoka as a character is, the fact that she can connect with people so quickly, um but then also Lindsay people like you and me who Ahsoka is top if not, you know, top 3 if not top character, um 
can feel reinvigorated by other people finding that character, you know? Um, that's not yeah. something I really feel like you get with uh, characters that have been around a long time. Like, you don't really get that with, you know, a Han Solo or something anymore, you know? Like, it's it, it's different. I don't really know how to put it into words, but it's different and it's special, and that's fantastic. Now, I want the uh, the the updates on how the, the Ahsoka Halloween costume is going, or sh- should I say the oh, soft horny person's costume is going? <laughs> Dude, I can't wait for them to watch the other three episodes. Oh, so I I read Soft Horny at first when I woke up. I was like, oh, God, what's happening? (laughs) But the the two of them are so funny together because when they're watching an episode, I'll get texts from my cousin and she's like, what's happening? You know, this is what's happening. What's about to happen? Is Baby Yoda going to be okay? Is the Mandalorian going to be okay? And her fiance will text me and go, look. I don't care what happens, but just tell her that everyone dies. <laughs> so I am, she was she was like halfway through season one, and I was like, "Oh, don't get attached to to Cara Dune. Don't do it." <laughs> oh my god, you're terrible, <laughs> terrible. Oh man, that's hilarious. Funny stuff. All right, Sam, round us out. Oh man, you guys, I, you, you did it. You said it. No pressure. I mean, I, my, my thing was Ahsoka. Uh, can I, can I spin this at all? You tried so hard to be creative and not, <laughs> not cross reference like, anyone's life. But it's like it was the number one though. Like there's, it's one of those things where like I can be funny and clever with two and three because they're two and three. But we're talking about number one. <sighs> okay, let me let me take this back a step. Then the thing that made me most excited this year, 2020, Ahsoka is the proof in the pudding for this. Basically, is the involvement of people like John Favreau and Dave Filoni within Star Wars and how their influence and importance is shaping where we're going because you need people like them being the guide being the 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 shepherd that points the the way um the Ahsoka episode in Mandalorian was, I think, one of the most artful, beautifully paced pieces of medium Star Wars has made. It, it it echoes the pacing of A New Hope where it's slow. It takes its time and its breaths and it lets the music and the soundscape take over. Um I was watching a video earlier saying that George Lucas was the, you know, he's the king of wooden dialogue, but the master of sound. Um and that episode had not only great dialogue, but was just a a visual and auditory indulgent festival. And I, I loved the the fight at the end. Um, the 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 lady in charge of the town, I believe, is like a a a godchild of Bruce Lee. I'm pulling that one from the depths. I hope that's right. But it, it and the the sound of Ahsoka's lightsabers clashing against the Beskar uh, Pike staff. Um, that whole episode. We, you, we already talked about Siege of Mandalore. That's not why I'm not really mentioning it much right now. But those moments with Ahsoka show what Star Wars can be at its best. Because I, I, my wife, who is 
Um, she likes Star Wars, always has, but she's definitely in the 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 casual camp. If I had to, you know, be honest, because she's not insane like us. She's she's a Taylor Swift crazy fan, so like you know, we all got something. Um, but she was like, "That was incredible. This is the best Star Wars I've ever watched." That's how good this was. And you've got guys like Taika Waititi, <coughs> excuse me, Dave Filoni. John Favreau invested and excited and wanting to create more. That's why when they announced all those shows, I felt okay because I was like, yeah, we're going in a good direction. And I believe that things like, again, other things we mentioned in this list with Bill Burr, that was a moment in season one where you would have thought, eh, you know, I didn't need that episode. They kind of wasted it. Nope. They made it count. So, I guess if my number one thing would be to change it from Ahsoka, it would be Dave Filoni and John Favreau are my number one thing of Star Wars because everything we're talking about kind of involves them. And it's incredible. It's incredible to see. And it's beautiful. And if you think about, like, it really is like a, a Wonder Twins situation, you know? Um, it's, a, it's a Michael Jordan playing with Kobe Bryant situation it's a it, you know like that's the level that we're talking about with Favreau and Filoni because you have Filoni who one he's does everything you know except for maybe catering when it comes to making movies and tv shows like he's literally everywhere um so he has that experience but he has the experience of coming from the MCU in particular and how to set things up like that and then you have Filoni who's literally a master of that trained by George Lucas so you have this, it's, it's like a perfect meeting of, um, you know, this guy that comes from cinema who understands how to do that, that can show Filoni how to make things more cinematic. And you have Filoni who is the heir of George Lucas and is able to really get the, the deep Star Wars cuts in there. And not just in terms of like, yeah, we got Ahsoka, but in terms of like what Star Wars is really about. Um, and, and going into this new era of, um, storytelling where streaming is going to be the, the main medium, uh, for, for a lot of franchises, I think. Um, but especially for Star Wars, like, I think we'll see more situations like this where we have almost, um, like I'm a big basketball fan. So I think of it like super team situations, like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh coming together on the heat. Like, um, it's they're just going to be the best for a while until that thing is over and there's nothing anybody else can do about it. Um, you can still have your favorite parts, but like, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And it's a game changer. It's a big game changer. Um, which speaking of game changers, let's go ahead and look forward to 2021 and the things that, that we are looking forward to and that are going to um, kind of change the the land front, if you will, of Star Wars. Um, and Sam, you know what? I'm going to let you take it off first here. I'm going to let you give your number three that you're most excited for. Um, My number three I'm most excited for, I've got to pull my list back up because I was ready to be third in line. Bad Batch. And here's why. Um, that was, I um, quoted and documented saying literally on Sith Talk, when they announced Bad Batch will be the next animated series, I said, why? Because, frankly, at the moment when 
Bad Batch was out, I said that Bad Batch was a fun, tropey series. And watching that sizzle reel that they po- they posted definitely gave me pause, and I'm like, I shouldn't have doubted it. So I love the Clone Wars series. Let's be real. This is Clone Wars Season 8. Um, and it's... I'm just excited to see where they go with it and how they tie more strings between, um, you know, three and four and the other animated series. So I'm going to keep mine neat and tidy and I'm going to say Bad Batch. To to me, Bad Batch feels like the situation where they had this really cool technology that they were just geeking out about and they're like, whatever, let's make a series with it. Like... They were so excited about the animation style and and the level of technology they had for season seven of Clone Wars that they're like, well, we've got to make another series with this and let's do Bad Batch because that we already have that stuff, um, which is very much a uh, kids playing in the sandbox, playing with their action figures kind of thing. And also a George Lucas like, oh, look at this technology. Let's make things kind of situation. So... Um, yeah, Bad Batch is, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. It's not on my list, but, um, it is one that I will be, uh, happy, happy to get up early and watch. And I don't think we have a date on that yet. I think it's just been said that it's 2021. Is that right? Yes, there's, there is no exact date, but I mean, out of all the new content we're supposed to be getting, it was one of the few that was nailed down as a 2021 series. We've known about it for a while, so I'm confident we'll get it this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're pretty much done with it they're probably just putting some finishing touches on it and whatnot Lindsay, is it bad batch for you is it something else what do you got at number three it's not bad batch for me um it is something where unlike my top three list i didn't pick this out of just pure joy although there is some of that here um but it is that if i have learned absolutely anything this year it is do not get stuck on a certain release date Um, And update your calendar accordingly, because sometimes you go to a bookstore only to find out that the book you wanted is now pushed out four weeks. Um, And sometimes you do that multiple times in one year. But I have learned from that experience uh, that not everything comes when they say it will come. So I'm, I'm hesitant to say what my real top 2021 moment will be, because I'm not confident it will actually happen in 2021. The one thing I think I'm really positive will come this year, though, is just because of the way it was announced and the firmness with which it was announced is the Book of Boba. Um, I also really love uh, the character Fennec more so than I ever thought I was going to. So I'm really excited to get more of her. But I just I feel confident that when they say this is going to come out Christmas 2021, it actually will. And this is something where we can get excited for all throughout the year, but more so in the final quarter of this year, we're going to start getting a lot of really good information and there's going to be a good buildup for this. Yeah, and I want to kind of clarify something because there there's kind of a misnomer out there that... Um... Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian season three are coming out at the end of 2021. And that's not true. Um, Book of Boba Fett. Or even that they're the same thing. I think there's still a good amount of people who think Book of Boba Fett is season three. Right. Yeah. Book of Boba Fett is its own release. And it was a little confusing because like in the announcement, 
um, Kathleen Kennedy talking about Mandalorian season three said the next chapter will come in 20 uh, Christmas of 2021. And she was alluding to book of Boba Fett, which hadn't been announced yet. So just to kind of clarify that for, for people who are confused, uh, book of Boba Fett will be its own thing. That's kind of a spinoff Christmas of 2021. And then at some point in 2022, we'll get Mandalorian season three. So, um, I have a feeling that like, because we're on Tatooine and everything happens on Tatooine, that like Book of Boba Fett is going to be like three and or uh, season two and a half of Mandalorian. Like, um, I think there'll be some connective tissue there. But if you had told, I don't know, man, me, I, can, I feel like this is going to be like the Sopranos of Star Wars. It could be. I mean, it's, this could be the, you know, the dark and gritty Star Wars that everybody thought we were getting with the Mandalorian. Um, and, I mean, if you had told me even at the beginning of the season of Mandalorian, let alone like the beginning of 2020, that I would be excited about Boba Fett. Um, yeah, <laughs> True, I would have laughed. Not a chance. Huh. And I was never a Boba Fett hater, um, you know, but he had his story. It was there. I wasn't around when he was the mysterious hot thing I've been around while he was a little clone kid who was angry at Mace Windu, um, which is totally justifiable and understandable uh, to just to, to put that on there. Uh, but yeah, Book of Boba Fett's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. For me, I'm going to take it to a different show. Um, and this is one that is kind of flying under the radar, but I am very excited for it. It's Star Wars Visions. Uh, this is another one that, as of now, the date is 2021 for, for the first of this uh, series of anime films. And I am not a huge anime guy in terms of like keeping up with or watching anime, uh, but I love the art style and I can't wait to see Star Wars through that lens. Um, we've gotten some of that with uh, Galaxy of Adventures. And it's really cool to me that we're getting things now like Galaxy of Adventures gets a really good reaction and then we start getting these anime films. And, uh, you know, Mandalorian gets this really good reaction. Okay, cool. Here's more shows in that same vein, in that same time period. Here's more streaming shows. So there is a sense that Lucasfilm and Disney are listening to the fans and to the, the side of fandom that is presenting things like that they love, not just going like, oh, we hate this, you know, get rid of this, get rid of that, you know, kind of stuff. But like, hey, we really enjoy this animated format like you have in Galaxy of Adventures. Cool, here you go, here's Star Wars Vision. So I'm excited that, um, we're getting getting these films, and the fact that we're going to be getting top Japanese anime creators working on it uh, is is going to be fantastic. We don't really know much about what this is yet, um, but for me, I've kind of formed this like headcanon, and I'm not going to lie, this is kind of a big reason why I'm excited about this. Um, but I've created this idea in my head that this is going to be the Star Wars like what if kind of show or series of films um, where we'll get an anime take on what happens if Vader lives after Return of the Jedi or uh, what happens if Luke turns to the dark side, uh, you know, and it'll be visions of an alternate reality in Star Wars. I think that could be really, really cool. And I think, um, I honestly think they're, they're missing a huge opportunity if they don't do that. But regardless of whether it ends up being that or not, I'm excited about the possibilities uh, that this holds in terms of a new but familiar form of Star Wars storytelling in the animation and then bringing in um, 
not just a you know more diversity in terms of storytelling, but the diversity along with people who are the best at what they do, which is like I said with Mandalorian, something that makes that show as good as it is. Um, and so I think this is one that's flying under the radar, but I am very excited for Star Wars Visions. Yeah, no, just to, to chime in really quick, that was going to be my number two. So I'll just echo all of that. Yes, it's we we needed something like this. Like there's so much potential for what Star Wars can be. Why not go anime with it? Why not let a very different fun style on it? Again, Star Wars was hugely inspired by Kurosawa, so duh. So just wanted to jump in there really quick because that was also my number two. What what aspect of Visions um, has you most excited? Is it the, the animation style, the potential for storytelling? What's kind of the thing that's gluing this to your top list? The aspect I'm most excited about for this show is that it really has limitless potential. So it could be 10 different episodes from 10 different creators telling 10 different stories. And I say, why not? Let's have some fun different takes on different aspects of the universe. Of course, I love stories that build and they're grand and they're awesome, but this is a chance to just kind of say, let's try something new and different and see what works and what doesn't. And visions has that written all over it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can title something visions without it being an allusion to the force in some way, shape or form. You know, you think about visions in star Wars and all of them, go with you know the skywalkers big important characters and so um the like you said the potential of this is is literally limitless partially because we have no idea what it is and we're making stuff up um that we want to see but the for me like you you kind of mentioned it's the possibilities that this holds that's really really exciting so Lindsay, is uh visions your number two also or you got something else Visions is not my number two. Visions isn't even really on my list. Um, I know. I just, I've never gotten into, and I'm so jealous, and I hope this changes my mind. Um, never really gotten totally hyped into anime. Um, whether it's that style, I don't, I don't quite appreciate it the way that I, I think that I should, but I'm totally open to this changing my mind. Um, do you, do you really want to know my my number two though? Yes, please. All right, it's so corny, but I just I love you guys so much, and it's just getting to see what we do with Clashing Sabers this year. You know, we have so much Aww. good stuff coming up, just with the the fundraiser kicking off the year, and and good material coming out, good content coming out. So I'm kind of just excited to see where we are this time next year. Lindsay. I know. I'm adorable. <laughs> now I feel trapping. My number one best thing in 2021 is that I got to be here on Clashing Sabers with Zach and we love it. I mean, guys, I do love I mean, it to be to, to be cool. fair, to be fair, this is my number two. <laughs> Yours you guys still aren't my number one. <laughs> so you gotta get keep keep in check there. Keep in check there, Sam. Don't don't get too big of a head. Um <laughs> I'll try. Fair. Fantastic. Okay. So I guess I will awkwardly segue to my number two, which is something we talked a little bit about, and it's the High Republic. Um, I'm excited for the the whole thing overall. Uh, the return of Claudia Gray is a 
big one for me. Um, she is the queen and empress of Star Wars storytelling, and I cannot wait for another story by her. Um, but the the entire series has the potential to be something really special in terms of both the storytelling and the fandom, because it's telling these stories across different platforms of publishing. And, and even now with the announcement of the Acolyte, it seems like they're confident enough to branch farther out into other formats of storytelling. So it's going to be exciting to meet these new characters and this idea of uh, the New Republic, or excuse me, the High Republic. And and something that really it excites me is that this is something that's going to be somebody's first Star Wars. You know, like that's big. Um, and I feel like this is going to be something in 15 or 20 years where, you know, kids who are in elementary and middle school today are like, are going to be, I, you know, I got into it with the High Republic in the same way that we do with the prequels or whatever, um, which is, is exciting. I, I can't help but, you know, just think about the fact that like, you have the best of the best, you know, doing this. Um, you have some, uh, you have Claudia Gray and Kevin Scott who have been top of the top of their game in terms of Star Wars storytelling. Some of the best canon material out there is from those two. And then you have, uh, you have Justina Ireland who is, is fantastic and has written a few great books, um, and is, is a master of, uh, you know, that young, not quite young adult, but like middle reader, almost young adult kind of books, uh, that are just been absolutely fantastic. She has a great way of bringing characters, uh, to just jump off the page. And then, you know, even, even, uh, you know, having like Daniel Jose older. Okay. Like I have said before, and, and I stand by this last shot didn't really work for me. Uh, we'll, we'll get into, um, certain point of view empire strikes back later this week on, uh, on don't burn the sacred text, his story, not my jam, but I absolutely love and respect and absolutely want him to be, to continue to be a part of star Wars, not just cause he's a great dude who calls people on their garbage, uh, when they present garbage, but he's a different kind of storyteller. He tells stories in a different way. And so now to get his, his comic, I'm hoping, you know, that'll be the first one of his stories for me that clicks really hard. Uh, but regardless, the fact that you're bringing in all these different kinds of storytellers, these, not just in terms of like, you know, we talk about diversity in terms of, you know, ethnicity, culture, you know, uh, whatever it may be, you know, off screen, but in terms of the style of writers they are, you know, you have so many different people who um, can just bring more people into the fandom uh, and more people into this story and get more people excited. And for me, that potential there for, for somebody who a major part of my fandom is the delving in and discussing and what kind of stories work and what kind of stories don't work and why did this uh, storytelling format, uh, you know, why was it successful for this story? And why was it not successful for this one? Those kind of things get me really pumped up, you know. So there's there's both the uh, the Star Wars fan that's excited about the, the High Republic and the academic that I like to pretend that I am um, that's excited to kind of critique and analyze all these different um, mediums, stories, and uh, storytellers. So High Republic, I know, is, is something that it's not unique, but I couldn't deny putting it on my list because... It's going to be good. It's going to be real good, guys. Um, any, you guys have kind of mentioned it before. Any other last thoughts on, uh, on High Republic? 
Well, I guess I'll mention it was my number one. Oh, there you go. That's called a segue. It right was there. my number one, too. Yes. Look, <laughs> I, I have someone that you didn't mention specifically. Obviously, yes, there's there's a whole litany of gods amongst that. Like, again, Claudia Gray, are you kidding me? But uh, the one in specific, if I had to pick just one that I'm very excited about, I would say Light of the Jedi by uh, Charles Soule has me highly intrigued so i'll just leave my statement at that yeah i could I, that's how that's how many great people they have on this that i completely forgot that charles soul is writing about that sounds incredible Sorry, oh it's gonna be so good it sounds so good so good all right Lindsay, what about you what, what puts high republic top of your list i honestly don't think i have anything to add you know it's it's all of the reasons that you had kind of listed I, I'd be hard-pressed to find more reasons, but the thought that we're going into this totally new era that can, I think, really captivate people in a new way. And I even think that just between virtual reality and all these new mediums coming out, they're really starting to toy with how else they can tell these stories. To ha- so to have new characters, new places, new issues in ideally new mediums and new ways for us to experience everything I think is going to be a ton of fun. Um, if I really had to add anything other than that, I'm excited for the villains that we're going to get. You know, I've said this again, I think it was probably back with you and Zach, um, Sam on Sith talk, but I like the idea that maybe we're going to get some, some Batman type villains and the villains might be just as interesting as the heroes for the first time in a long time in star Wars. It's going to be incredible. To me, this feels like um, everything they wanted to do with like Shadows of the Empire and then everything they wanted to do with, uh, you know, big publishing, uh, I guess, storylines like New Jedi Order and Fate of the Jedi and stuff like this feels like a culmination of those ideas, you know, um, where it's going to be like everything except the the movie, um, but also all different kinds of stories by different authors who are telling one, you know, we talk about star Wars being one story. Um, and this is, this is the first time where, uh, you know, it really is going to be like both. Yeah. This is one story, but also this is its own era. Um, this is its own kind of timeline, if you will. Um, and that's exciting. And so my number one, I kind of like, it goes along with High Republic, but I wanted it to be its own thing. And it's this new era of Star Wars that we're getting into. Um, that's That's got me excited about 2021. We're getting, like I said, new ways of approaching publishing. Uh, streaming is changing the way that stories are told. We're getting so many different kinds of creators brought into the fold. And for me, I think the biggest mistake that uh, Disney and Lucasfilm made out of the gate was starting with the sequel trilogy. Um, I love the movies. I love the characters and everything, but there's just no way they could have made those movies without some backlash. Um, in, in retrospect, uh, it was a no win in a lot of ways. And it does kind of suck that like the biggest story in star Wars was their testing ground. But at the same time, you know, they figured out what star Wars fans want and, and need. And I'm, I'm not mad or anything about the sequel trilogy. I don't want it to get twisted like that. Like, like I said, I love the movies, but 
with this announcement of the High Republic and with this announcement of all these new kinds of shows from new creators, it feels to me like they have a firm grasp on what actually works and what doesn't rather than just this grand idea of what they're going to do. And even though it won't all be coming to fruition in 2021, it's going to be a major turning point in the evolution of Star Wars. And I think, you know, we're going to look back on this, uh, you know, 2021, the beginning of the, you know, the Mandalorian, the beginning of the streaming era, the beginning of the High Republic. We're going to look back on it in a way we do, you know, heir to the Empire in terms of just how it revolutionizes the fandom and how central it is going to be for, uh, you know, certain fans journey and who they become. And I think if ever, uh, you know, going into a new year, we needed star Wars, um, you know, it, it's going into 2021. We need these stories of hope and joy and perseverance and not just defeating the darkness, but what happens when you succumb to it and how you can come back and all of these ideas that star Wars presents, um, and to get it in these, new invigorated formats um, is is something that I'm very much looking forward to and something that we will definitely be covering throughout the year here on the Clashing Sabers Network. So make sure that you are subscribed so you can keep up. Uh, we will obviously be doing all um, the High Republic novels and I'm just... I think we'll, we'll probably, um, in some way, shape, or form, cover the comics also. Uh, so if you are interested in High Republic, we will be doing that on Don't Burn the Sacred Text. If you you want to look at the, the updates on news and the happenings of the week and um, big storylines, head over to Sith Talk. Uh, they are right there. Uh, we, we got it all. You know what? Just If you haven't already, just hit the subscribe button and, and get all of them. We now have five shows on the network, guys. It's crazy. We got content coming out at clashingsavers.net. And uh, of course, we have our nonprofit, which if you want to just support regularly uh, to help us get Star Wars books into schools and classrooms across the country, then uh, you, of course, can go to patreon.com slash clashingsavers. And if you want to uh, try to win some cool stuff while also being able to uh, make a donation to help uh, get those books into classrooms, then stay tuned. January 11th, our uh, The Return of the Reader uh, fundraiser will kick off and you have a chance to win stuff from High Republic authors, from artists, and of course, the amazing Vanessa, Vanessa Marshall, um, who is just absolutely fantastic and one of our favorite people here. Stay tuned, guys. We got big things coming. We're excited to go on this journey with you. And Lindsay, um, if they want to go on the journey with you in particular, you're not so much on the internet as much anymore, probably smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> But if they want to to get in touch with you or connect with you, how can they do that best? Yeah, you guys can always find me over on our Facebook group, uh, Clashing Sabers, of course, on our Patreon page, or find me personally on Twitter at The Lady of Lore. Awesome. And Sam, if they want to keep up with the latest release of Sith Talk and uh, that 99 uh, truck winning some races, and you doing okay uh, also up there, um, where can they find you at? Well, Sith Talk has a Twitter. Sith Talk has an Instagram. And of course, we're always there supporting on the uh, Clashing Sabers Facebook group. So you'll find us there too. Uh, if you want to watch the fastest trucks in America turn left, um, what you're going to do is every Wednesday, 9 Eastern, you're going to go to Captain TV and watch the Great Lake Sim Racing Truck Series. Uh, 
for that too, where we make a lot of awesome, cool pictures. I do most of those. Uh, and all you have to do is search on Instagram, uh, Great Lakes Sim Racing. So uh, go there, because I very rarely even post on my personal Instagram anymore. I barely use it. I'm too busy uh, working on the uh, race series now. <laughs> so go there. Uh, but yes, go check it out. And uh, you should check out uh, Sith Talker 25. That is Zach Chrisman, my co-host on Sith Talk. His, uh, uh, I believe both his Twitter and his Instagram are the same. So check him out. Yeah, and Zach was awesome enough to uh, volunteer to take over the Instagram page for us um, because I am terrible with with it because I prefer Twitter and Facebook. So um, if you, you want to connect with us uh, overall on Twitter, um, you can do that at, at uh, Clashing Sabers or on Instagram, same handle, at Clashing Sabers. So until next time, as we, we go into this new year and this new era of Star Wars, we want to wish all of you the best, and we thank you whether this is your first episode and you're starting this year with us or you went all or even part of 2020 with us uh we made it guys and we are on to bigger and better and more exciting things and are excited to do it right alongside with you but before we say goodbye we have to remind you of the most important lesson in star wars uh it's not hope it's not family it's not any of that garbage it's batchy (laughs) there we go sam really nothing come on dude you gotta jump i get you're gonna have to help me out on that one Hi-ho. Say it. Hi-ho. Okay, there we go. One, two, three. Batch eight. No. (laughs) Hi-ho. I'm the new guy. I quit, guys. I'm done. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it. It's ours. They made it. It's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.